how have you been anyway how, how are things going uh, um i am pretty good like i had this incredibly chill weekend because i was sick and couldn't go with my friends to a cottage where they all went and had drinks said i went to the couch and just chilled on the couch and not only am i not sick anymore but i'm also feeling very relaxed because i spent like two whole days just not thinking about work at all yep which was very healthy in a way so yeah that was good awesome so you've had a bit of a, a reset yeah oh. what about you me um well the last week in in any bit of of my my free time has been kind of dominated by getting go vj ready for launch um mm-hmm. and i oh yeah we're gonna talk a lot about this i think yeah we can get into this in a minute but um i have just before the show just before we started recording um mm. i have had my approval from apple and i nice yeah and normally i would hold the release i would wait before you know sending it out into the world email everywhere Mm. do all the marketing thing and i've decided to just hit the button and i will go and do the other bit afterwards (laughs) (laughs) so basically by the time that people hear this episode it will be actually out yeah definitely um and i will nice yeah yeah um so finally i mean one of the reasons for being so trigger happy is that I'm aware the original version of the app has some issues here and there on on certain devices and in certain configurations. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have that like gone, you know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the new version of the app solves that. So there's that. And then by soft launching as well, I can get an early indication from people using it and and that side of things as, as to everything being okay. Um, I can also use nice. Nice. Shameless plug for you, but I can use um, Telemetry Deck to sort of see new users on the new version of the app coming through. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's 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 really nice though. Especially, have you noticed? Uh, oh wait, maybe it's not as special as special anymore. But I remember before WWDC, like months before, um, some releases of apps would. It would sometimes the test flight versions would suddenly run on iOS 16 uh, devices, like and you could see that in the in the data. Yes, yeah, and that's like so funny to me. You start picking these things up. Like I was like I was just like gleeful just watching these. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'll I'll see so much of that going on in my steps. Um, I guess it depends on if if those people with the the betas are using GoVJ. I mean, I would say that you are making the world's foremost, most important VJ app for the iPhone. <laughs> so, I mean, if not you, who then? Uh, true, true. I mean, if, who else is going <laughs> to have an app that provides you visuals for your party or your event? Um, That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm fully aware it is a, a small niche for this app but um <laughs> it's uh yeah no it's just good to finally have have hit that button you know um and to have it go off out into the I'm world i'm really happy for you like congratulations uh i would uh i don't have like one of those 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 paper trumpets thingies but i would like <laughs> totally blow into it right now 
<laughs> Maybe I'll find another sound effect. So what was the, um, how do you feel now? Like now that it's out mm -hmm. and, and you have this, this whole weight off your chest, like how does it feel? Um, yeah, this, this is kind of like when you've just had a birthday and somebody asks you, how do you feel? Do you feel any older? This sort of thing. It's like, it doesn't feel mm -hmm. any different because I've been playing with this version so much, but I think what will happen is, is as soon as I start to get any feedback from actual users, that will feel good, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the other bit of it is that I've been organizing my schedule, like, with terms of um, I've got, like, a backlog of tickets that I've got in Trello. And, mm -hmm. of course, now I get to kind of reset and go, okay, version 2.1, what does that look like? Um, so, so there's a bit of that um, yeah and I, I don't want to I do want to kind of take pause probably for a couple of weeks before I really think about that seriously so I've got some of that initial feedback um, but there are things that I've been playing with that are in beta that I would like to release so part of me is already mm -hmm. thinking well this was the whole point get the app ship shape make sure the code base is one that I enjoy working in again because the old code base was very old uh and mm -hmm. and then i can start to incrementally add features and value to the app as well so that's kind of where my headset is actually sort of thinking well that recording feature i was playing with the other day that nobody else has <laughs> probably deserves to be something my my users can have what what does it record like does it record sound or uh, video both. or both so um this is the thing right I've, i've had feature requests for ages for things like this um and you're mixing your video you've got two channels of video like a, a dj mixer but video mm -hmm. there's no audio from from this all oh, right because the audio comes from a completely different source yes, yes exactly um so whatever the band is playing or the dj is playing that's your audio and you are mixing to that um now When people ask for recording, I then have a bit of a conundrum. Well, okay, how do I play the music with the app? You know, and do I offer the ability to have microphone input or, or what is the most appropriate way of trapping the audio that they want? Mm -hmm. For the feature that's in beta, what I've done is I've got a little, like, file loading mechanism where you can load a, an audio file. And then that plays, the app plays it. And whatever you are playing and then doing at the same time in terms of mixing the video gets recorded to another file. And I think for a lot of people that are saying, hey, I want to record my mix, that's going to be good enough. Like they've got an audio thing that they want to play. They select that, they go and do their, their video recording of themselves doing their performance. Um And then mm -hmm. that exported video file that comes out at the other end is what they want to put on YouTube or take snapshots and put elsewhere. Um, so I think that's going to cover a lot of it. And I can add microphone input to this stack as well quite easily. So we can go the other route for somebody who wants to record like with, a, say, an iPad that's got a, a line-in going into it through USB mm -hmm. or something. Um, that scenario can be covered as well. So it's it's already kind of there. Um, it just needs a decent UI. 
So <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that'll be next. But um, yeah, in terms of of post launch, post post release sort of feeling, it's good to finally be through um, App Store review. That 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 I, I got mm-hmm. rejected at the first gate. Oh, what what for? I was naughty. <laughs> so i've I've, naughty yeah naughty i i i made a promo video um with with Uh rotato um nice Mm -hmm. funky tool um i might have seen that yeah so rotato was it the one they were sharing yeah it is it is and that that will be um i can link that on the show notes actually I'm, i'm i'm quite pleased with it let's say um yeah a 30 second sort of promo thing with the the app spinning around on a phone um and the features being introduced but i reused it for the app preview and what i did is i chopped it down so that i use rotato's um iphone sized export which kind of framed it to just the the size that you need for an app preview um and then re-edited my, my titles so that they fit and did all of that. But, of course, the phone's still spinning around in the frame. Um, and it is still framed inside of a, a virtual iPhone model as well. And that is absolutely oh, against the... Yeah. It's absolutely against the App Store guidelines at that point. And I, I just hadn't yeah. read the small print. And I'd kind of gone, this video looks cool, yellow, let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah you must you must not you must not do that yeah yeah exactly and i and i i thought well it looks good and i've seen people messing with frames in their images and that side of things so maybe maybe this will squeak through um and of course it didn't um yeah it's a bit silly though but yeah it is whatever it's one of the i mean at least it's a clear rule and it's not 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 hard to abide by it you know yeah like there are other app store rules <laughs> that are way more infuriating exactly and i spun up a new video that does exactly what they require mm-hmm. very very quickly as well and resubmitted and and it was all over and done with within 24 hours so you know that's um that's a lesson learned is like yeah don't just yolo the, the guidelines on these things um but um oh, well. yeah I, I i don't know i was fully into how the video looked at that point and thought yeah this would be cool um but uh, i i get it like if you the one of the reasons that i can see them doing and this and having this rule is obviously if a new phone comes out or whatever it's very easy for that to look quite dated the spirit of the mm-hmm. um app previews the videos in the app store is that um, you should be able to get a good impression of what the app looks like on your device and by taking it that route if the, the, the app preview is on a slightly different device it doesn't really match um, I get it I do get it um, but uh, it's a shame we can't actually embed a, a, a promo video as well that's sort of more generic rather than the, the, the phone sized preview if that makes sense Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Just like two-minute introduction. Hello, mm-hmm. I'm David. I want to talk about my app. Yep. Here it was, what it does, you know. Yeah. That would be super helpful. Um, 
by the way, I just double checked, and of course, because I, I I forgot to check before in the betas, but yes, the pixelation effect is there, so that's very important <laughs> to me. Yes, yes, and I do fully so in, very good. I do fully intend on circling back around and getting that um, pixelation app out at some point as well. Um, nice. Yeah. So. I mean, you should totally talk a bit about about what is new in this version of GoVJ. Because I've never used the old version, I have to I have to add. Or I might have played around with it like five minutes. Mm -hmm. But so what is different in this version? Like what did you rewrite? What did you recreate? Okay. So as we are uh, a developer-orientated show, it's probably good to talk about the stack that it had. And mm -hmm. GoVJ was an example of me learning to code for iOS way back when, like sort of 2014 through to 2015, I was prototyping, um, learning how to sort of create this, this um, video mixing engine that underpins what it does, that lets you mix two videos together and send the output out to, to a external screen that is the core use of the app um mm -hmm. and the code inside of it was very crafty very old very um difficult to add to by my standard of programming with ios now um so there was objective c code bits of old like maybe swift 3 code lurking in there mm -hmm. um storyboards in the stack uh, like one gigantic storyboard, all the usual, all the usual sort of setup stuff um, that that was a bit more common. Um, uh, quick confession in between. Go on. I've never ever split up my storyboards. I think. Yeah. I don't think I've. Well, maybe once, but like not really. Like most of every time I worked with a storyboard, it was one of those humongous storyboards. Yeah. yeah. So this was reflecting that, and the old UI had this drag and drop mechanism to it as well. So I was using a library mm -hmm. back in 2015 when it was released to support this drag and drop stuff because we didn't have that in iOS at the time. Um, and the concept there was that you would select a video from this like horizontally sliding bottom, bottom tray. You'd select one, push mm -hmm. down on it, and it would pop off, and you could then drag it into the channel like left or right over the top of the video that was playing on either side um, and drop it and it would start playing. Now that worked, but in terms of mixing stuff quickly, it wasn't particularly great. You've got this whole drag and drop thing in between you just getting started. Uh, so the, the right. new app has a grid, uh, a four by four grid of thumbnails that you just tap. Um, and it's far mm. more responsive so, yeah, when you're mixing and you're like, hey, I just want that one to play on that channel now, boom, you press it, it's done. Um, right. And there were reasons I didn't do this in the first place, uh, one of which is that the drag and drop mechanism hid a failing in the, the video mixing engine underneath. <laughs> it actually, it gave it, okay. it gave it just enough time to catch up. Um, oh. Yeah, so... If you take all of this together, what happened with the rebuild is that I had to go and like slay a couple of dragons in terms of I needed to rebuild the video mixing engine so that it it was 
trigger happy. You could just press stuff and it would just start loading without issue. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to rebuild the entire app in SwiftUI by this point because this rebuild started this this last year. Um, and I wanted to combine everything I've learned about making iOS apps in the, the time in between as well. So it was a, a complete rewrite. That's one of the reasons it took me so long to, to get it together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, this represents, you know, how I'm building apps now in terms of the, the guts of the code underneath. The UI change with the triggering, I think, is a big deal for my users. Um, I, I, most people seem to like it. I'm expecting one or two people to say, oh, but I like the drag and drop. There's always one. Uh, I mean, there's always the problem with changing things, but yeah. I I kind of agree that like not having to drag and drop stuff and just tapping stuff is is easier. Yeah, and especially like you know like you're dancing probably you're sweaty from the party, <laughs> um like you might have had I don't know a beer. Yeah, so like maybe maybe tapping is better than dragging. Yeah, hundred percent in those contexts. And, and the other side of that is is that. Um, one of the features I want to add next, sort of after recording, is MIDI support. So with with a, a MIDI controller like a keyboard or one of these DJ controllers that you can plug in via USB, um, or Bluetooth mm-hmm. actually, depending on the, the brand or, or how it's set up, um, you can control this sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. the old version of the UI with drag and drop didn't really lend itself very well to that kind of paradigm um, mm-hmm. because, you know, usually you've got this grid on whatever you're you're using as a controller. It's got these buttons and you want to map those buttons one-to-one to the UI of the app. Um, so by making this change with the triggering, it actually supports that better as well. Um, it means I can have like a... A version of the app where you'll say okay i want to connect this controller um i want to map the triggers to the controller and this will go into like a a mapping mode where everything will be highlighted a different color and then as you press a button on the controller you can then press a button on the ui and assign it that oh that's really smart and then you can have for example you can have one of those midi controllers that are like i don't know six by six buttons or something mm-hmm. yep and then have exactly the six by six grid of videos on there. Yeah. Wait, is it six by six? It's, it's, the, it, app. the app is four by four, but um, it's four by four. Yeah. Okay. And they do vary, but generally, a four by four grid seemed like a good place to start with the available space on the screen and the type of things people have. But yeah, totally. Yeah, and I'll, I'll probably at that point get requests like, "Can we change this grid?" formation in certain circumstances have it as something we configure an extra row is in a purchase 20 dollars <laughs> well the other thing is is that i might actually start having presets for common types of controllers and that sort of stuff as well so mm-hmm. yeah that's smart yeah a lot of this are you sending the controller type in 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 telemetry deck because you could totally totally see like which types of controllers people are using when i get there when i get there so this will be a, a next feature um in, right. in in order to just ship the app what i've done is gone okay with rebuilding the ui rebuilding the engine everything else but getting it up to kind of parity with what was there before is is the goal um and then be a, yeah i get yeah. that i get that um 
but once you do like don't forget because that's that's going to be a, a, a helpful thing just to see like hey this controller is being used more like twice as much as anyone else yep. uh, any other controller yeah exactly um that's going to be helpful yeah and i should be able to do that start sending the controller name or whatever back as as a, a signal um to that end i've plugged in telemetry deck and i've got things there for okay the user selected this effect um we're going to send a signal so i'm tra kind of tracking what effects mm -hmm. are, are are being used um i should start to see a bit of a, a pattern there i think over time as to like most popular effect um awesome yeah and then you can even make a twitter post about it telling people like this is the most used effect which is also a very you know like it's a good marketing tool too i feel like yeah yeah for sure and and that's that's that is actually another sort of big part of this release is getting to that data and seeing what people are doing um i mean yeah i don't want to turn into an entire infomercial about telemetry deck but you have enabled me to get to what i need to there <laughs> um yeah don't, don't worry i have like some telemetry deck news or new features so we can do the infomercial about telemetry deck later i think it's totally fine like we can we can talk about go vj first well i think i'm I'm nearly there really in terms of sort of summing up what's what's going on we've got a rebuild of the app mm -hmm. um it's going to enable these new features both in terms of like the engine it's got and the, the ui uh telemetry deck and analytics is going to help me kind of guide that a little bit over time uh so i'm really happy i'm really happy to just finally have this out there and and, and doing what it does uh the test now will be do i actually you know do versions 2.1 2.2 etc through to the end of the year that i've got planned or do i you know get distracted by the other shiny thing and go and do something else i think that's that's something <laughs> i've got to try and you know be be conscious about um i will need a break i will need to do you know, like I say, a couple of weeks without really touching the code base before coming back. Right. Um, Especially because this is your side project only. It's not your jobby job. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it's important to not to not overwork yourself with these <laughs> things. But um, um, do you have any plans on how you want to market this? Because you have always you always have these amazing tips for me, mm -hmm. like how I should market telemetry deck. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Are you gonna do all the things that you recommend to me? I am, but I'm I am doing them backwards by having hit the release button just now. I'm not going for a hard launch. It's this is going to be a soft launch. Mm -hmm. But what I am gonna do is I've got the promo video that we mentioned as a YouTube video, uh, where Apple can't sell mm -hmm. me off for using frames. Uh, <laughs> and um what I'm gonna do is I've got a, a press release, I've updated the website as well. So over the next and over the next couple of days i'm going to be hitting everything out for all of that i'm going to let the app settle probably for the rest of today mm -hmm. and just see the analytics come through um and then i'm going to boost it everywhere and that that's twitter there is there's a reddit um for vjs um i may even brave stepping oh, back nice. into facebook but um i'd rather personally not to be fair um i have a uh, mailing list for the app as well so i'll be hitting that up so i'll be doing a big bang across Ooh, everything smart. i can um mm -hmm. i'll also be sending the press release out to everywhere and anywhere in terms of app reviews and that side of stuff but is there like a are, are you do, are you doing that by hand or yeah. is there like a service 
mm. for these kind of things? I'll be doing it by hand. It's It's been the best way okay. in the past has been to just email places and be quite honest about, hey, this is my app. This is what I do. This is what it's for. Um, you know, here's the, here's the press kit if you're interested. Um, and essentially, the best thing I've found for that has been to just introduce myself really more than anything mm-hmm. else. Like there's an element of this is not just insert company name here this is actually solo dev you know i do this do this in my spare time sort of thing um and then places Mm -hmm. kind of take that extra look a little bit i think um i don't know um the the places that have signal boosted me in the past i feel like they've done so because they've they've recognized it as being an indie product um so i think it's probably healthier for me to lean into that uh yeah, totally. So that's that's the plan, is sort of to hit everything and everywhere mm-hmm. up. The main goal of that is to get the promo video linked in multiple places um, and to just sort of signal boost the fact that it is here. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm going to be leaning into just checking what's going on in, in terms of downloads um, and seeing if I can kind of figure anything out that I need to optimize for the App Store afterwards as well so that... 2.1 i can kind of make a couple of tweaks to things there as well awesome yeah also let me know like if you have a or i must i'm assuming you're gonna you're gonna post a tweet about it oh, and yeah. um i'll be happy to retweet that and i i actually like started this thing where i occasionally retweet apps which i know are using telemetry deck from the telemetry deck account mm-hmm. so i can also totally do that awesome thank you Awesome. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited because you've been talking about Go VJ2 for basically as long as I know you. Yes. Yes. And so it's really cool to see this here the the light of the day. You know, like so many projects they they kinda um they get bogged down and then they never really get released. Yes. And so that this thing actually made it out of your head into your keyboard <laughs> and then into the app store is really nice and it makes me incredibly happy. Thank you, Daniel. I definitely want to find out about what's been going on on your side with Telemetry Deck. So let's <laughs> let's lean into that side of the show. Okay, fine. I have something that I am actually really excited about, which is the query language. Oh, so as you may know, or uh, one of the like backend databases um, behind telemetry deck is like t- um, Apache Druid, which is a time series database. And it powers um, a lot of what telemetry deck does. Yeah. Like, um, and the Apache Druid has their own, they have their own query language with it, which is JSON based. So like, so you can query it with uh, SQL, yep. but it's actually very inefficient and it has a few, uh, and a few features don't really work. So internally I've been using the, the Druid query language all the time, but as a, so like every time you enter an insight on the server, it gets translated um, so that the, or basically it, it fetches the, the relevant metadata from the regular databases. It fetches the other stuff from the, from the from the code storage and then it also translates your insight to a druid query and then executes that on the server yep. and over time what i also what i've also done is um i've created for this whole json um query json based query language i've created a whole swift specification so because using swift you can like um serialize and deserialize json mm-hmm. you can of course 
uh, image that whole query language in JSON. And we quickly found out that it is possible, of course, that if you have this in Swift, then it's basically also a parser that will throw out everything that is against the schema, which is very helpful. And if you have a JSON-based query language, I can take the query and then only pick out certain elements from that and replace or ignore or modify other elements. So for example, if you send a query to me as a user of telemetry deck, then, um, so, <laughs> wait, I have to start from the other way around. Yeah. So we realized that we could try to make this functionality of running custom queries in this query language um, of just running them against the API by regular users. Okay. Um, and this works because, for example, um, the, 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 this JSON object has one key that is called filter, and then there's like a tree of filter objects in there. And so on the server, I can just say, hey, I'm going to surround all those filters. I'm going to combine them with an additional filter that is, and with an and combination. Mm -hmm. And that filter will just be like all the, your organization's apps is exactly what you are seeing and nothing more. So I can be quite sure that, for example, like people don't see other people's um, data. Yes. And I can do a few other, a few other things that, that, that make this way more secure because I could never do that because you can't really parse SQL in that way because it's, it's just, um, there seems like a string, these string-based languages is always like one, one escape clause somewhere mm -hmm. that you forget and then, and then you get, and also SQL is like writable. This is only query. So you can't write anything. You can't modify anything. Right. This is just reading. So that sets you in a situation where doing like a, a SQL injection type of attack isn't really possible, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, like, the combination of, yeah, we, we are par parsing all that in Swift. So, like, everything that is not in the schema gets dropped or rejected. Yep. And we can add add filters. That, like, that gives gives us this um, this possibility of being able to run just these queries. And that has been possible for a while. Like a few customers are using that. Basically, they're writing their queries by hand and just posting them to the IP, API directly. But I wanted to do more, of course. Um, hang on. <laughs> Mimi and Momo are super crazy right now. Mm -hmm. oh, they're just chasing each other. Apparently, Mimi is really on the upswing. Oh, oh that's good to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. She's, she's getting better and better. I'm really happy about it. Um, what was I saying about the, right. So running everything in this query language, even the internal, uh, queries also helped me develop the, um, uh, queue based queries, which is like every query that you send will get, would, will get put into a queue and then we can calculate them at a specific time and you get, um, the result, the previous result of this, um, query task. Yeah. back immediately so that you can display something to the user and it also helps with um repeatable queries where if the query takes a long time let's say two or three seconds to execute that's not that's not nice right so um um so the server notices this and puts the query basically into a special queue where it will get it will get re-evaluated every few hours so that if you have a slow running query, that you still immediately get up to date data because it's been pre calculated an hour before or so. 
Sweet. So that's also been that's been true for the last few months. Yes, basically. yes. And we talked about the queue system before, I think. Um, a little we did, ago, yeah. yeah. Um, so now what I finally have is um, I've added a few telemetry deck specific um, methods and features to the query language. For example, relative dates and times. Yep. And I've also finally been able to update the query editor in the web dashboard to support actually just writing your own queries. So now in the web dashboard, if you like create a new insight, you can, of course, configure it just with drop downs and, and inputs. It's very user friendly, but you can also convert that insight directly into a query and then edit that JSON-based query directly. And that's really cool because it's, um, <clears throat> of course, you're, like, you're never going to put all the features of such a powerful query language into um, a user interface. So this way, like most users, users can totally use the user interface to get all the data that they need. But for the one insight that kind of like doesn't work for them the way, the way that the user interface is done, they can now... They can now just go drop down into the JSON stuff and just like rearrange stuff. And yep. of course, just I, I will probably be helping people with uh, with that for a while. Um, I've also just today actually <laughs> I've hired someone uh, to help us out with the documentation. So we'll be putting out more documentation for uh, also for that query language, so that people will be uh, able to write that more easily. Awesome. And I'm so excited to do that because um, just this thing was such a big blocker for so many things. Like, for example, people have, have been asking me, oh, can we do funnel charts? Can we do stuff like that? Yes. And for example, like I have, uh, the, 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 I have now just, uh, I've just written a query finally that and just outputs the data that a funnel chart needs. And now I just need to tweak the charts a little bit so that it looks correctly. And then I have a funnel chart prototype. And then I can, of course, add that to the, to the UI somehow. But in the meantime, it's possible to display a funnel chart. Like that's, that's really cool. Right. Basically, basically right now, it looks, it looks a bit weird. So I'm going to tweak the, the charts a bit and add a, a separate chart type that is just funnel. But um, yeah, that's so cool. So this this not only gives your users more um, flexibility and, and greater features, mm -hmm. but it's actually going to start underpinning feature development for you to roll out other things. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, this is um, really helpful to have, also for me. And also, I don't know how exactly yet, but I imagine that at some point we people will probably tell me like, hey, I've made, I've, I've made this query and, um, if in, uh, and, uh, and can we like add this to the, to the, easy, to the easy user interface-based queries, you know? Yep. And if, if that happens, then like we, we find a good, a good way of like seeing what kinds of queries are people still missing because people can still create them themselves. Yep. They just, um, it's just a bit harder. And then if we see enough, enough people doing it the hard way, then we can see like, oh, this is the next thing we do. We should do the easy way. Yeah, for sure. And you can actually potentially have a, if you've got an option there for people to send you that directly, then that, that, mm -hmm. that becomes a bit of a, um, 
yeah, like you say, a, a feature generation sort of thing. Oh yeah, that's smart. That's sounding really quite cool. I wanted to to touch on something that I heard you say in the middle of all of that there, which is that you've hired somebody mm-hmm. else as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how has that gone? Uh, yes. Um. So it's another intern. Okay. Or well, not not really intern, but she's she's actually a freelancer, but she's she. she costs me as much as an intern because she's only right uh, working a few hours a month yeah uh but basically um few few weeks ago i just put on twitter like anybody else want to work for me like i need developers i need um um writers for documentation stuff like that Mm -hmm. and this friend of mine this acquaintance of mine reached out and was like hey i can't write code really but i'm a really good uh technical documentation writer do you want to hire me and uh, basically, we just had a long talk today, and we decided, yes, let's go for, forward with this. Yep. So um, she's going to be hopefully in charge of uh, the of of pushing forward the the documentation on telemetrydeck.com. That's brilliant. That's really really cool. <laughs> it is brilliant, but it brings me in a bad situation because I've been I've been waffling about which underpinning system or technology to use for this website for the last half year yeah like nothing nothing is perfect have i talked to you about this i've talked to so many people so this is about finding a solution for the online documentation that you've got is that right that's the thing if it was just the online documentation then I'd say, yeah, there's like there's like stuff there. There's um, MK Docs, which is really good. Mm-hmm. There is um, um, Mark Docs, and then we're also a Tailwind customer, so we can download the Tailwind um, pages, and they have like a whole documentation system that looks looks really nice. Yeah, and would be very easy to um, to customize, so it looks it has the telemetry deck look and feel. But the problem is that the the website is not just the documentation like it has a front page it has uh the docs it has a blog it has a pricing section yeah and it has other various like sub pages and stuff like that and so the question is do i press everything that all of this into a document documentation system mm-hmm. or do i put the docs but but that would probably make it not look good, you know, because like a documentation system is not what this is. Well, this is not what a documentation system is made for. Yes. And then it was like, okay, do I put this stuff in a subdomain? Do I do like docs.telemetrydeck.com? Okay. Yeah. And that sounds fun, but the documentation is also a really important driver of traffic. Yeah. Like um, people Google for how do I update a Swift package or how do I find out how many users my app have and they they land on the documentation. Mm-hmm. And I I really don't want to use uh, lose that. So I would very much like to stay like the site structure to stay the same. Ooh. Okay. So then I was thinking okay, what else is there? Um I can use the existing. I can use the existing um, uh, like structure, which is which is like a, a you know static site generator called Pelican, which um, you might know Jekyll, which is a Ruby-based static site generator, and this is basically a copy of that written in Python. Right. Um, because I just like Python better, um, but that's of course not very dynamic. Um, 
and I like I don't have any cool smart templates for that. Yep. And uh, it doesn't have search. It doesn't have you know like if I if I like it doesn't have these cool new features like Markdoc or stuff like that where I can like where I have these really nice features that enhance documentation like automated table of contents. A, a tag that would automatically make one of those, you know, info boxes. Like, hey, info, if you divide by zero, uh, then um, the police will come <laughs> or whatever. Like, oh God, yep. my, my niece, uh, my six-year-old niece said this to me the other day. Like, if you divide by zero, that's that's forbidden. That's forbidden. The police will come. And I'm like, Oof. <laughs> police will never catch me. <laughs> um, or, you you know, like you have kind of have one of those red boxes, like warning. If you divide by zero, better um, prepare to flee right away or something like that. Yep. Um, but then these features are not supported by uh, Pelican. And Pelican has like regular markdown processing, but not like markdoc processing, which would add these features. And uh, there's no perfect solution. And no, then also not. Pelican is mostly made for blogging. So like... The whole documentation system that I built in there is kind of kind of a hack already. So and yeah, I can tell you my preference as a developer, um, but yeah. obviously I'm a n equals one and quite a biased person. So, but there it's in my a good docs dot whatever service site that is structured entirely around representing the documentation very well. Um, is going to be more useful to me than than anything that's halfway in between. Um, so some, totally. something that gets me into the the reference of the the um, you know for for an SDK or anything like that, and that gets me into the the overview of the API I'm looking at. Um, so that's how I would prefer to sort of see my my dev documentation. I very much agree agree with you from the point of a developer, but. This is not an SDK. Yep. This is not an SDK that we're talking about, right? So most of the most of the content will not be, um, you know, like which functions can I call? Because yeah. there's very very few functions that you can really call. Yeah. So most of the documentation will actually be articles. Exactly. It will tell like how do I reach this goal? You know. Yeah. So I, f- I kind of feel like you you definitely need to have a split there, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think a a dev dot telemetry deck for the SDKs and for um, you know any of that sort of code related info makes sense. Uh, and then on the other side of the fence, like the user guide type stuff, um, everything for for actually setting up your your insights and using the product. No, that does make sense to live on the main domain um, and, and to have right. that split. Um, and one can lead to the other. You know, you can have an article mm-hmm. that's about um, a quick start guide in terms of installing it and getting it up and running, and that can link off from that quick start guide into the um, into the developer docs where where relevant. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting problem. Like, what is the best way of, of representing this? Um, and you don't want to pen yourself into a corner where all your content is in something specific. You then also look at that and go, oh, okay, we've got to tweak this and this and this. Now I want to use this other system. And before you know it, you're <laughs> migrating all that content. That's 
Right. That's the, the biggie. Um, yeah. If I had like infinite time, yeah. I would probably write my own mm -hmm. based on Markdoc because uh, Markdoc is this very cool new Markdown based documentation format um, yeah. uh, created by Stripe. Thing is, uh, and I like it very much. I've already tried it out. And it's very similar to the format that is done by MKDoc, but still even a bit better because you can make it more interactive. Right. So my first instinct would be, okay, let's let this be the basis of the new thing. Yeah. But then uh, everything has to be JavaScript based. Right. Uh, because Markdown is only, uh, Markdoc is only for JavaScript right now. It's an, it's an NPM package. Okay. So then I need a new base uh, framework or something so i don't know let's get view or ember or something because these are the two that i can like a little use a little bit mm -hmm. by now um so then it's basically oh yeah let's create everything from scratch and yeah i'm not 100 opposed to this because it could help a lot but then the other problem is that um then i would say oh yeah let's get a um you know, let's get a content management system in there because, like, why do I have for the docs? It makes sense to have everything in Markdown files. Yeah. Like, but we have um, prices on there. We have um, um, user quotes. Like, every time someone says a nice quote about telemetry deck to me, I usually ask him if I can write it down and then put it on the website. Yes. But the quotes on the website right now are super outdated because it's actually a super hassle to update them. Then we have blog, blog posts. Uh, we have other articles with FAQ items, stuff like that. So it would be really cool to have those in a CMS. Yeah. But then like you need to integrate one of those um, headless CMSs like Strapey, for example. And then <laughs> you have um, you have the problem that you suddenly have a dynamic site. Yes. So, uh, you need to be very careful that Google can still index you, and you have you have you will need to update your sitemap and everything. And uh, yeah, I'm getting a headache just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like you you need to zoom out and just sort of think. Well, okay, what gets this to version one, and has the exactly. the, the minimum penalty for a potential version two? Um, exactly. So, like, my next step will just be this. I will update the design of the current site slightly so it doesn't look so it looks slightly more like the web dashboard because that's what I want everything to look like in the future. Yeah. Uh so I will just touch the design and I will see if I can add like a few lines of code in uh, to the Pelican thing that will auto generate me these tables of content. And then that's what it will be for now. That sounds And sensible. then let's see if I have infinite time in the future. Yeah, that sounds very sensible. Or some money to pay someone for this. And the latter, like paying somebody else to do so, is probably going to be the better bet for you later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. I have this I have this friend uh, Florian who's also um who like very occasionally freelances with me on telemetry deck. Yep. And like he has heard every like he has heard this this speech that I just gave gave to you. He has heard this about fifteen times. <laughs> so I really hope he doesn't just listen to this podcast because this will be number sixteen then. <laughs> I think it's the one thing I wanted to just sort of say though is that I think it is still an important thing to be thinking about. Like your main product is definitely like in terms of 
what you bring in in driving this and the development is definitely in the engine of it itself and the stuff we spoke about before about adding you know querying options and features and that side of things but mm-hmm. the website and the documentation and everything else that goes with it that is your front door that is like your your shop window um to the world exactly and it's, it needs to be inviting and nice yeah yeah so it is worth giving it this this level of focus and giving it this 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 level of, of thinking um but yeah like i said before and, and where you said you've landed is is let's let's make these tweaks to what you've got um and then just make sure you're not sort of putting yourself in a corner in terms of what you can then do for for later on um i think is is probably your best bet yeah i like i think the main thing is that right now i want the documentation articles to still live on the main page um and i need a a system that supports this and if the current pelican based system can like be perverted let's say into doing that then um i think this is the best way to do that for now because also because it also means that i'm not putting too much work into it but it's still it's still there's still some progress yes ah oh, but damn i want to shave that yak I, I tell you that yak is just that yak is just begging to be shaved <laughs> all right on that yak shaved bombshell it's time to end the show yeah because you need to start into your day i need to slide into my bed and it's been amazing talking to you as always where can people find you on the internet and where can people find go vj yeah good question so go vj can be found at govjapp.com and we'll link that in the show notes as well and i can mostly be found on twitter to be fair so i am david gary wood on twitter um again we'll link that over in in the show notes how about yourself daniel all right um you can find the thing that i've been talking about for the last 14 hours at uh, telemetrydeck.com please tell me all your improvement suggestions for this website because i am so tired of the design for it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you can find me on twitter at break the system and if you hear that in the background that is momo momo says she used to have a twitter account but i'm not really putting any images on it yet but maybe i should start again that's mimi plus momo that's uh your your cat that's my cat yes, yes. oh awesome yes and i know we may have mentioned uh mimi earlier on in the show so uh right. for time to put them into the special guest box again exactly so eagle-eyed uh, listeners who have gotten this far maybe go back to your podcast app or the website and just see if you can see the special guests on the show All right, David, have a great day. Catch you next week. Bye.